Welcome back, everyone. Not just to episode 47 of Sports Like MDs, but ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to sports. We've had tremendous interviews lately, don't get me wrong, but it's been a while since the docs have just kicked back, relaxed, and chat. And this is my first time joining the casual conversation, so I know I'm pretty excited. But before we begin, let's just have a brief recap of COVID through the eyes of sports. Way back when, on Wednesday, March 11th, Juventus announced that defender Danielle Rugani tested positive for coronavirus, and the entire landscape of sports changed within the next 24 hours. Same day, 9.27 p.m., Utah star center Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID. Four minutes later, the NBA suspends the 2019-20 season until further notice. 12.34 a.m., the next day, the NBA G League suspends the 2019-20 season. Nearly five hours later, the International Basketball Federation, or FIBA, suspends all competitions indefinitely. Two hours later, La Liga, the top division in the Spanish Football League system, postpones matches. 10.32 a.m., Association of Tennis Professionals, or ATP, suspends all tournaments for at least the next month and a half. Eight minutes later, Adrian Wojnarowski, major props to you if you can pronounce that last name, drops a famous Woj bomb. Utah Jazz All-Star Donovan Mitchell tests positive for coronavirus. We're not even at noon, 11.35 a.m. The International Federation postpones events until at least the week of April 20th. Seven minutes later, Major League Soccer suspends the 2020 season for the next 30 days. And then, in a span of three hours and 20 minutes, the Big Ten, ACC, SEC, uh. Pac-12, Big 12, Big East, they all canceled the remainder of men and women's basketball tournament. No March 11th, Madness. No, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. 11.54 a.m., U.S. Soccer cancels matches for the senior men's and women's teams in March and April. 1.36 p.m., the National Hockey League suspends the 2019-2020 season. Less than an hour later, the NFL cancels league meetings. 3.10 p.m., Major League Baseball cancels spring training games, effective at 4 p.m., and pushes back the start of the 2020 regular season by at least two weeks. 40 minutes later, Minor League Baseball announces the delay of the season. And then at 4.16 p.m., the NCAA cancels all remaining winter and spring championships, including the men's and women's basketball tournament. That all happened in a span of 24 hours. Wow. Hey, Tori. Yo, cue the the music. That was great. Cue the music. Cue the music. Let's go. Do you feel me? Wait, I have, I have a little more. I have a little more. Hey, by all means. While the sports hiatus has been so deflating, so many individuals across the world have been affected. New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton, ESPN sideline reporter Doris Burke, New York Knicks and Rangers owner James Dolan are just three of the many sports-related individuals who tested positive for COVID. Former Texas A&M guard David Edwards, former Denver Broncos wide receiver, Orlando McDaniel, and Jacqueline Cruz-Towns, the mother of Carl Anthony Towns, are just three of the many individuals who passed away due to COVID. Stadium employees were laid off or asked to take pay cuts. FC Barcelona's players took 70% wage cuts to help club workers during Spain's state of emergency. So people were affected emotionally, economically, financially. People's lives were lost and they were in hospitals for a while. And these are just a few of the many ripple effects that have impacted every single individual in some way or another. But, 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 
we found a way. We found a way to get sports back into this new normal. Our gambling fans will know that the Korean Baseball Organization and the Bundesliga were the first few leagues to restart their respective seasons without fans. The KBO started on May 5th, and 11 days later, the Bundesliga restarted their leagues. Major League Soccer invited 24 of the 26 teams to the MLS's back tournament. The final will be played on Tuesday, August 11th, when the Portland Timbers take on Orlando City. Across the pond, English Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, and other major soccer leagues have started and finished their season without fans in the stadiums. The NFL and the WNBA held a virtual draft. The NBA invited 22 of the 30 teams to restart their season in a bubble in Orlando with virtual fans. The NHL invited 24 teams, 12 from each conference for qualifying rounds and a round-robin schedule. The Western Conference teams played in Edmonton, while the Eastern Conference teams played in Toronto. Players undergo daily testing, and Major League Baseball is playing in empty stadiums with cutout boards of fans. Due to Canadian restrictions, the Toronto Blue Jays are not allowed to play in their home stadiums in Toronto. So, due to Canadian restrictions, the Toronto Blue Jays are not allowed to play in their home stadium in Toronto. So, they're playing a majority of their home games in Buffalo, New York. I'm done, but what a, what a wacky Ooh. time we're living in right now. Uh, ben, thanks for introducing all that, man. That was incredible. Up. Uh, that was enough of me. It's been a that while. was basically, yeah, the last five months of sports in a nutshell. There. They're back, though. But we're back. But we are, we're back in full effect. Welcome back, sports. It is so damn nice having sports updates and notifications and lineups and box scores to check and, like, things to root for. Yeah, man. Storylines. It's all about those stories. My wife isn't too excited because now I just have sports on the TV all day long. Because you got baseball, you got basketball, you got hockey, you got golf. PGA's was over the weekend, championship. Um, By the time this airs, we'll know who wins that, but. I'm excited. It's interesting to see how all the leagues went different directions with their bubble versus non-bubble. I think we know we're seeing that the bubble systems are working a little bit better. Um, but we'll get into that. Yeah, no, no positive COVID tests for the NBA, at, at least nope. as of yesterday. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. No, I mean, but then on the other hand, we're seeing some other sports that, that aren't having exactly the same level of success. Um, Baseball, for example. And then there's these other sports um, where we're just kind of looking at the, the lifestyle, the culture, particularly the locker room culture of these sports. Um, and it just doesn't look like it's going to be conducive to a bubble existence and where we're really having to worry about whether or not we can really pull this off, you know, like college football. It's a great example. Oh, I can't wait to get into all of that. But Ben, you did not mention... UFC and UFC was one of the first uh, sports organizations that came back. If I didn't mention it, it didn't happen within the first twenty-four hours. Oh, but well, Unless, they, they're one of the first ones uh, that came back, and they've they've had some success. But oh, uh, true, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't <laughs> bring it up when I went with the Did talk about Fight new, Island, new or, new normal, yeah, Fight Island, that, Abu Dhabi. Dana White, Dana White is. I mean, you talk about a man who has a dream. That's Dana White. He just yeah. ran with it. He's got to grind. But uh, yeah, so we're we're back in the sports are back in full swing. I think we have we have our concerns like the rest of America does whether or not football will come back. Um, but that's what we're talking about today. Today's all about welcome back, welcome back to sports. We're I, I feel great. 
that having sports on the TV in the, on the background, I got multiple TVs going. Uh, it's just fun to have these things going. Um, I missed it. I think everyone missed it. hundred percent. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, it was, it was getting a little, um, dare I say seasonally depressing. It was fun to watch. I mean, some of the, like, it was fun to watch Dame Lillard miss those clutch free throws. Uh, That's what you're rooting for. To win against the Clippers, even though I'm a huge Dame fan. (laughs) Those are the moments. Yeah, well, he had to let let us know he was human Mm -hmm. at some point. I mean, you know, he was on this whole different level. And, uh, you know, Dame just being Dame, you know, we'll we'll see. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Everybody... I noticed, especially sports commentators around the NBA, all about that prisoner of the moment, all about that prisoner of the moment, you know, and, and I mean, it's interesting because right now we have to understand what we're seeing right now is the equivalent of, you know, like those last five to 10 games of a regular NBA season when pretty much the seedings and standings have already kind of been established and folks aren't really playing for a whole lot. So we just need to kind of like hold our horses and everything. Just be patient. You know, we'll see what's real. It's weird because it's like those. We will see the king, the king is coming. NBA, it's it's like those games leading up to the at the end of the season, leading up to the playoffs. It doesn't mean anything for the Lakers. They already clinched the one seed in the West, unless they wanted to go off through the number one overall seed. But home court doesn't really matter in this bubble system. But it's also like the preseason. It's also like the preseason because they're that, just that getting switch. their legs under them and. LeBron is usually a kind of yeah, a slow starter when yeah. it comes to shooting. So we'll see how things go once once the, the playoffs begin. Well, which... when it comes to stakes as well. You know, I mean, LeBron's a, a big game, big ticket guy. You know, I mean, he's a dude that comes in and takes all the money when all the money's on the table. He's not going to mess around with the undercards and stuff like that. We're way past that at this point in his career. So let's not let's – not, you know, take get too carried. Let's not get too carried away with, with what we're seeing. Although I will say this one thing: um, I've been watching NBA basketball since I was about five years old. It's a really long time. And one thing I know for sure is, in the playoffs in the NBA, the game slows down. It's a grind. It's all about. It's not. I mean, even shooting, like great shooting, isn't necessarily going to win you that game. Because those last five minutes of the fourth quarter, everybody's legs are tired. You know, it's just all about will and heart and experience and who wants it more. And that's one thing I do, I'm a little concerned about when it comes to Anthony Davis. Being out here in LA now, I gotta be a Lakers fan. I'm a Lakers fan. You got my heart, you know, Kobe, the whole situation. Like this year, this Lakers team has been through a whole lot together. It's kind of coming together. I mean, Avery Bradley. Uh, is one of the, the, you know, the casualties from, you know, the, the fact that the NBA decided to allow players to opt in. And, um, you know, he had good reasons for wanting to sit out. You know, he, he put the family first, and that's all good. But it does put the Lakers in a tough situation because their perimeter uh, defense is it's, it's much, much less than what it was. And uh, Anthony Davis, to me, is going to have to be a serious dog. Like, he's going to have to, like, basically impose his will the way that, you know, Shaq Diesel used to back in the day for the Lakers to win this year, especially against the Clippers, you know, and teams with all that size. 
So we'll see. You know, um, I also think Kyle Kuzma is going to have to be a consistent 20-point-per-game score uh, throughout the playoffs in order for them to put up enough points. So, you know, a lot of question marks, but I still think the Lakers, that's still my team. That's still the team to beat. Jumping right into the predictions, huh? We'll see. Why not? Well, we got, we got some other stuff to talk about. But the playoffs are what, next week? Sorry, next week? We got the playing games happening this weekend. This weekend? Um, oh, boy. I and then so we got excited. the playoffs starting right after that. So we're bringing some structure today. We're going to try to bring some structure, a little bit new flow. No interview today. We've been doing a lot of interviews, but now it's going to be – it's a three-man show today. We got mm-hmm. our host, Benjamin Vogel, here. Um, he's the guy that everyone's been interacting with on social media, along with us as well. Um, so Sorry if I offended anyone <laughs> on social media. You're going to kind of act as the host today. We got like a four or five segment show. We're going to be touching on a lot of different topics with regards to sports coming back within this pandemic with all the social unrest still going on. Yes. Sure. But we're not reporters. We are analysts. I'm just going to keep that in mind. So we're going to be doing all kinds of analysis. We're going to break it down. We're going to break down why we have these ideas around, for example, who's going to win the NBA Finals this year. We're going to break it down. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So, yeah, there's also going to be a little – hopefully we can all address our biases when it comes to our fandom of certain NBA teams and NBA players. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about me as an Knicks fan. Biases. Oh, yes. Yep. All those def- good old defenses. I mean, speaking of biases, the Pacers did beat the Lakers over the weekend, and LeBron and AD were playing. Or I don't know if it was AD playing. He was out there in the court, but I'm not see, sure if he was. See, see, see this prisoner of the moment stuff that we get into? I think, I think the question anyone who's listening to this is, how the hell are we talking about the NBA for three minutes and no one has brought up the Phoenix Suns? That's, that's a good point. No one brought up. They are five and zero in the bubble, and they are just shooting everyone down. And it's wow. And you saw what Draymond Green saw, said the other day. He said he he said that uh he was he said Devin Booker needs to get the hell out of Phoenix. Yeah, he got a fifty k fine for tampering. <laughs> yeah, crazy. How's that so, tampering? That's, that's a good question. That's everyone's focused. Everyone wants to wants to see uh, the Blazers Lakers matchup. Everyone's kind of already penciled that in. You know. Uh, Armin's favorite uh, announcer, Chuck, already penciled in the Blazers for the, the NBA Finals. Speaking of prisoner of the moment. I just, yeah, it's unbelievable. LeBron James getting bounced in the first round when he's a number one seed? Come on. No. That's, yeah. No. I mean, anything can happen. And it's and isn't it great we can have these sports conversations again, like after that four-month hiatus, just the idea that, like, it's anyone's ballgame. But... I mean, we'll see. Like, yeah, Ben, why don't you tee us up? We'll, we'll get we'll get into that. We'll give our uh, predictions, but why don't you tee us up with this first segment? All right, first segment we got today. So, as everyone knows, sports has returned in a really peculiar way. We're playing in bubbles. We're playing with virtual fans. We're playing. We're playing with no fans, cut out board fans, et cetera, et cetera. But like, for me, it kind of feels like things have gone back to normal. You know. Like, sports has been back for like a week or two, and it just, like, it's gone back into the flow of things. So, first off, do you guys feel the same way? And if so, why do you think it feels like everything has gone back to normal, even though nothing about this is normal? I'm going to start off with Tori first. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. So, for me, I think as a fan watching the games, if you kind of just start focusing in on the gameplay, you, they, ha- they have the fake crowd noise, the virtual fans, you kind of forget about 
it for a little bit, um, especially in these NBA games. I think they've done a really good job, the production team with the virtual fans, with, agree, the, yeah. with the pumped in noise. Uh, they they have nice. like the home crowd uh, and home announcing like flavor to each home game as they kind of decide who's home or away. So I, I can get into that. It is a little odd when they do like cut in between plays and they show the huddle and you realize, okay, there's no fans there. But as far as the actual play, like you kind of forget about it. Um, same thing goes for when I was like watching a soccer game and they're pumping in like the different cheers and the chants. Um, you kind of get lost in that. You'll get lost in the game. UFC, it's actually, I think, added a different element to being a fan because you can hear the corners, you can hear the announcers, the fighters can hear the corners and the announcers. And there's interaction between the fighters and like the announcers during the fights. So that's really cool and interesting. I don't necessarily think I prefer it this way, but it's not a big distraction as big as I thought it would be as a fan. Now, I think as a player or a coach or an organization or the people that are producing these events, it's, it's got to be totally different. Um, people in the Orlando bubble for the players and, and the teams, that's totally different than what they're expecting. Um, it's definitely not back to normal probably for them. Although now that they're settled in, there's probably some sort of normalcy there. And we talk constantly about how being an athlete, being an organization, being a team, you want consistency. You want everything to be kind of quote unquote normal in order for you to be able to limit the distractions, perform at your best. And I think obviously we will talk about practicing mindfulness and, and gratitude and those are ways to control what you can control and those are the ways you can maintain normalcy but I always think as a fan I feel like it almost back to normal if you focus on the game although in baseball when they hit the home run and you see like they follow the ball and you realize there's no fans there that's kind of weird but as a fan I think it's a lot easier to adjust but as a player I imagine it's it's totally different and I can't imagine what they're going through right now interesting so Armin what do you think about what do we think about the no fans in the stadiums yeah no, I, I agree with, with Tori. I'm, I, I have been surprised by how, um, how well the NBA games, from a, at least from a, a, a fan standpoint, sitting there. I just actually got brand new TV mounted on the wall. It's one of the you know, big, what, 55 inches, um, 2020 technology. It's like, I, I noticed that they have like different camera angles now. Yeah. Um, so it almost has this feel of like, like a video game, you know, but like, with like very realistic graphics. It's more intimate. Um, it's, it's a different feel. Um, and then I've even like been um, using this TV to kind of like, uh, you know, TNT has this, this app you can use and you can watch some of their games and like they have different camera angles you can actually choose. So um, I chose like this for the first time ever, uh, this backboard angle, which almost kind of gives you like a bird's eye view of everything. And um, I was watching the Lakers game the other day with this uh, bird's eye view camera angle. And it really gives you a very true perspective, um, especially with the, the players' facial expressions and stuff like that. And it, it, like Tori said, I mean, it's more intimate. And uh, I, I think it's really cool. I, I like the direction it's, it's gone into. When you get the, the look and the sound in there, you know, to, to make it seem more lifelike, um, I think you, you've gone you've, you've gone a pretty long way into making it a more realistic experience. So I love that. Um, but what's also been really really cool in terms of kind of getting me back in rhythm as a fan is you know I, I watch all the you know the, the sports talk shows on ESPN and Fox Sports One and stuff like that. All the you know I listen to the podcast and 
you know, the YouTube clips. And now that the storylines are, are back focused on competition. It's no longer LeBron versus MJ. Wins and losses and, and actual like real time, especially in the case of the NBA, like playoffs level competition. Like it, it's just so incredible. And, you know, and, and obviously, uh, you know, now you have like guys like Draymond Green, for example, because, you know, the, the Warriors aren't in the bubble. He's able to be a commentator. And uh, that's, that was really neat to see, you know, him and Ernie, Kenny, Charles, you know, that was kind of cool to, to see that dynamic. He was uh, replacing Shaq on the TNT broadcast. And I don't know, man, like it, this is a, uh, I feel like the NBA is really leading the way, not just the, the, the sport itself, but even like the, the sports journalism and, you know, the sports community around the NBA, just leading this effort in terms of like the, the COVID-19 uh, sort of like transition for sports. And I think it's been really well done. I'm, I'm actually really excited about the direction of things because I really do feel like we're going to be able to have some semblance of sports for the next year, two years, or however long we're going to be dealing with this COVID thing. So this is pretty cool. Yeah. I wanted to touch piggyback on something you said, Armin. You mentioned like you can see these players' reactions a little bit better and these different camera views. I bought the bullet and did the like NBA league pass. Yeah, of course. Because I want to be able to watch the Pacers. The unfortunate thing is I don't have Spectrum out here, so they black out a lot of the nationally televised Lakers games. And then I can't watch all the Lakers or Clippers games, which is frustrating. I can't even watch them on league pass, but that's a tangent for another time. Um, but yeah, I, I picked during watching the uh, Utah Jazz versus the Denver Nuggets. Great double overtime game. D. Mitch was going. Oh, great game last I, night. I chose a camera view that just showed specifically him. They had one that showed him and one that showed Joker. And it was just interesting to watch the, the mannerisms and, and of these players when they're off the ball, when their camera's focused in on them, yeah. to see how they react when, they're, when their teammate scores or when something bad happens, just looking at their body language and how they interact with their teammates. And it was fascinating for me because I, I was like finding myself like having more respect for Donovan Mitchell because he was getting like super pumped up when like a teammate would do something. He wasn't even- Yeah, like, exactly. Play. Yeah. You can see like the energy leaving his body when like something bad happens or someone turns it over on defense. It, it was just interesting to see. So that's a, that's a new part of this, this production, this broadcast that I really enjoy. It is almost gives, it's more intimate. And I wish they would have allowed all the players to be mic'd up. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? But I don't think coaches or players necessarily would have want us to hear the, the trash talk or the strategizing that was going on. But it would have been cool. Yeah, make it out some plays. But just to give you guys a little more perspective on the NBA bubble situation, I think they've done a great job. It's probably the most strict format we've seen, definitely more strict than the MLB. <laughs> um, but So no, no positive tests to date. Uh, you have to wear a mask. I think they're getting test, tested pretty much daily. Um, and if you every other day, every other day, and then if you re leave the bubble for any reason, you have to quarantine for 10 days and then you have to have negative tests. Obviously you have to register two negative tests and you have to have an antibody test before returning to play. So they have it well-structured. An interesting thing though, coming up when the playoffs start around August 30th, that is actually the playoffs begin August 17th. But after, I think it's after the first round, families can arrive in the bubble. Oh, uh, that's going to be, that's going to, I think, change things a little bit. I really do. So August 30th, families and guests of the teams that are still there. You know if they have to go through testing? I think they have to do the same thing. They have to come in, quarantine for 10 days, two negative tests, antibody tests. So right when the conference semis start is when families can come in. So 
that I think is helpful for these teams who advance further into it. They've been isolated in this bubble for like over a month and a half. Absolutely. That now they can have family and friends join them. And by that time, there's only going to be what conference semifinals. So 18 total left. That's huge, man. Because, you know, I, I really think that, and I, and I even uh, heard grumblings from players, mostly through social media networks and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it hasn't been, it hasn't been easy. You know, I mean, I know at first there were these storylines about how oh, it's just like, you know, uh, an AAU tournament, you know, we're just kind of like back in the day. And, and, I, and I think that's, that was a good attitude to have. But, you know, now that they've been there for you know, going on several weeks, you know, going on to months, I think it starts to weigh on you. It, you know, before going home every night or at least if you're on the road, you know, next week, couple of weeks, you're going to be with your family eventually again, reconnected, reunited. I think it's just a different vibe. Um, you know, this this whole thing to me probably is starting to kind of feel more like that monotonous kind of like, you know, feeling that a lot of us in the workforce have when we're just like every day feels like, you know, groundhog day and that can wear on you after a while. Got to get the nasal swab into the back of your brain. I think that's 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 what separates the elite players. You know, you know, like thinking about Kobe. I feel like if Kobe was in the bubble, he would have no problems with it. He'd be like a robot, day in, day out. I have a job to do. I'm gonna do it. And like, I think players that have that mentality where they can get past that mental strain because it's a huge. Kobe is a huge mental strain on everyone, especially being in a bubble away from your family. But the players that can get over that mental hump and just say, like, "All right, let's do it. Let's do it." Like, no questions. That's, I think you're going to see some leaders emerging from this bubble. Yeah, you brought up a great point because the bubble can be one of two things. It could, you, there could, there's obviously so many more distractions out there with COVID-19 and with all the social unrest um, and injustices going on. And then you're isolated and you're away from your family, like you said. But on the other coin, you're in this bubble in this controlled setting with limited things to do pretty much you're on the what it's the worldwide sports disney complex you can pretty much fish and just hang out in your hotel room so for some people they might be more distracted with everything else going on for others this is an environment like a very controlled environment and they may be able to thrive off that so it's going to be interesting as things progress to see who kind of thrives in this setting and i think like you said individuals elite athletes who take their preparation and consistency seriously those are they could be the individuals that are going to end up thriving and we'll see once the playoff comes along i mean we've already seen it right now and you mentioned this in the intro d book for the suns is going off you got tj warren oh yeah man aka nope. go to the bubble right now like you got some of these guys that are just taking it to the next level yeah um, I, but so i wonder I'm, to I'm what extent this is all just kind of a matter of we had this kind of reset button right from what was going on a few months back almost feels like a new NBA season. And we've seen, we see this every year, like a certain guys that just come out of the gate firing, you know, like, Oh, he's going to be something. And then either they, you know, they uh, somehow, you know, go into some sort of slump or get injured or they just kind of fall back down, you know, to earth. Um, that I think, I think we, we can't really put too much stock into what we're seeing now. I really want to see how, how these same players perform when the lights are the brightest. You know, that's, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm telling you, man, there is a, people have to understand, you know, the, here's why the prison of the moment thing doesn't work. Because even if we were 
back to, to normal and let's say the COVID thing had never, had never happened. The regular season and the playoffs, even though they're continuous, two different seasons, two different styles of basketball, two different levels of play, you know, whatever was happening in the regular season, you really just kind of have to throw out the window in a sense, you know, and just, you know, seven games in, in what, a matter of a week and a half. And now it's traveling. So it was pretty much just like, what? Yeah, back, it's not back to back to back, but it's like maybe, you know, one game here, one game there in between. But it's pretty much like, I think the whole series takes place over the course of one week, you know, week and a half. So it's a grind for sure. Anyway, it's exciting. By far the best thing about this season right now is that any given minute of any given day, there's some there's some sporting event going on. Basketball is going on from like one to eight p.m. Same thing like baseball sprinkled throughout the day. NHL too. So just like as Armin said, you know, it's gonna be like a playoff series is gonna happen in a week. That's from a fan's perspective, that's great. So before I move on to the second topic, Tori, you mentioned the fishing um, that, they, that the players have at the bubble. Uh, a fun fact I want to throw in: apparently, um, the resort. Uh, added more fish to the lake or to the body of water. They stocked the lake with fish just for the players who were going to fish, which I thought was ridiculous. Stock the lake. Uh, no, nah, that's cool. That's, that's yeah, cool. It's, yeah, you're right. Make it easy for them. <laughs> I got a good chuckle out of that one. So um, another thing Tori said that a good segue to our second topic is consistency. Because as you guys you guys know, I know too, consistency and routines are arguably the most important aspects of not only anyone's life, but especially an athlete's life. So I want to hear from you guys, what's the mentality of an athlete returning to sports after a three or four month hiatus? How do you get over that gap? So Armin, I want you to lead off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a great question, actually. And, uh, Man, I, I bet a lot of uh, those NBA players that are currently slumping that, you know, look out of shape, they wish they had had this podcast episode a few months ago. Um, but yeah, like, honestly, um, we talk about this, I think, in just about every episode that we've had, especially in the last 10 or 10 or 15, mental fitness, you know, mental fitness is how you get to mental toughness, you know, how you get to resilience, um, how you establish that mental flexibility, you know, that ability, that, 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 um, that ability to just sort of like deal with whatever comes your way, you know, sort of like that, you know, uh, dodge and weave, float like a butterfly, sting, sting like a bee type of approach, man. Rolling with the punches. Um, consistency is so important because that's the fallback plan, right? When you have something consistent in the bag, something that you do every day, eventually it just kind of becomes routine, it becomes second nature, it's like brushing your teeth, right? So anytime things change around you, like all of a sudden you're in some sort of global pandemic and you know your, your season shuts down, you don't really know what's gonna happen next. You know, at that point, <clears throat> um, a lot of uncertainty, you know, a lot of a lot of changes. You have to have something reliable, something consistent, something that you can just continue to do day after day um, that you know works for you. 
And, um, you know, so we talk a lot about mindfulness techniques because mindfulness is, a, is something in the way that you can, for example, do deep breathing exercises that are controlled and mediated, self-mediated. You can do progressive muscle relaxation exercises that are controlled and self-mediated. And you can do them anytime, anywhere. And it is a way to be in touch with your body and in touch with your mind and synchronize these two things at the same time um, and something you can really get into a nice rhythm with. And, um, you know, we like that as, as a, a daily consistent way of at least keeping yourself, um, you know, sort of mentally clear and, you know, established in terms of what you're, you know, how to focus, how to maintain focus on, on something that's important to you, whatever in your preparation you need to be focused on. Um, you know, we, we like, we like mindfulness. So I would say hopefully uh, any player that's committed already to mindfulness, uh, even when they had to maybe change up their workout routine and do something a little bit different because they weren't playing basketball anymore and they didn't really know when they were gonna have to restart. Um, we like the idea of mental fitness routine using mindfulness as a consistent type of, um, of activity, of exercise, to sort of keep you primed and ready to go for whenever the, the, the restart welcome back happens. Yeah, I wanna add on what you're saying, Armin, um, with regards to the mindfulness, but I see this as like two separate things. You have this three month hiatus for these NBA players. Even the MLB guys, they were kind of starting pitchers and catchers in spring training and then they had the delay and then um, MLS and UFC fights had to be pushed back, all these different things. But specifically if we're talking like the NBA and the soccer leagues as well, there was this kind of break in the action. You don't know what's going to happen, when are things going to come back. So you got to keep your body right and you got to keep your mind right during this hiatus. And it's all about consistency, like you mentioned. Um, so Draymond Green talked about this um, on TNT when he was co-hosting, like Armin talked about earlier. You can't go like the basketball hoops were taken. You can't go outside. You can't train when when you where you normally train. So what do you do? He he was working out inside his his house. He was doing high intensity interval training. So every single day he was doing this to keep his body in shape, um, because you you can't play basketball. You can't do what you're doing. So you got to keep that body right consistency. And just like you have to keep the body right by doing consistent workouts, you also have to keep the mind right. And that's what Armin touched on, practicing these mindfulness techniques daily. And when you practice these daily, when you do kind of um, deep breathing to slow your heart rate, to just calm your, your nervous system, um, that helps limit the distractions and puts you in the moment. So if you're practicing that every day, when you go back to the bubble and you step on that free throw line, you have to hit the clutch free throws. You can take those couple deep, deep breaths and you can focus then there on the moment and eliminate all these different distractions that occur now. So it's important to practice these things daily. Your mind and your body and then you have those individuals who why like oh, i don't want to go to orlando i don't want to go to this bubble and be disconnected from family and friends and not being able to have girls come over or what have you and be able to have to eat this mediocre food from these hotels for a month straight gratitude can come into play and if you practice gratitude hey after all like i'm playing the game i love i get I still have a job during this pandemic and it's a well-paying job. I'm making a lot of money. I'm put on this platform. So even though 
I can't be on the streets protesting with my brothers and sisters. I'm on this platform. I'm on TV. I can do post-game interviews. I can have Say Her Name on the back of my jersey. Um, I can be playing on the court that says Black Lives Matter. Um, And you you can just put those into perspective. Think about those things. Practice gratitude every day. And that will give you a better sense of purpose, a better, uh, more passion and more energy, energy and more focus on, on playing basketball and, and going through with this. And I think ultimately practicing, like working on your body, working on your mind through mindfulness and gratitude every day are, are great things that these individuals or a lot of them, like Draymond Green mentioned, were doing in preparation, although the Golden State Warriors didn't get invited, so he probably didn't have to work out after uh, as much as he did. Um, the players that were doing that are the players that are you're going to end up seeing perform at the highest level. Yeah. But, you know, uh, just to that point, uh, Skip Bayless made an interesting um, uh, point the other day, or maybe it wasn't Skip Bayless, but uh, I remember it uh, undisputed. So this season is going to end, at least for the guys that make it to the finals, October-ish, right? So, I mean, I guess it's hard to say when the following season is going to start. But let's say, for example... I think they want to start by Christmas. Let's say it starts, yeah, in December. I mean, that's only a couple of months off um, for, for some of these teams, whereas teams like the Warriors are going to have... But, six seven months off so mm-hmm. um it's a huge advantage for next year warriors might have a little head start one more thing i forgot to touch on is you mentioned like this consistency so why do you do these practices is so during game day you can get locked in you can get that flow state you can be in the zone and that's you'll talk to any athlete and they sometimes when they you ask them like i'm sure if you ask tj warren right now in a post game interview like how did you drop 53 he probably says something along the lines of like I was in the zone I was just feeling it what is exa- what does that mean exactly that means that you're kind of on autopilot because you you've essentially eliminated all the distractions and all your energy is going into exactly what you're doing in the moment and you're just working off muscle memory and the way you get to that point is through practicing practicing your craft keeping your your body and your mind in shape um, so you're ruling out all these different extraneous things in order to just focus in what you can focus on and that's your, your sport yeah i mean hats off to tj warren you know it, it's great what he's doing um but like there are some guys like steph curry's first person that comes to mind who he's doing this every game game after game after game year after year after year where you know at some point in time he's going to catch fire every game he's just going to lock in and Light you up. I guarantee Steph's getting in shots every day during this. If he, if he has access to a hoop, which I'm sure he does, like he's not taking a month off or a few few weeks off of, of his preparation. No chance. So, um, so actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch upon that before I transition to the third topic. Um, so during COVID, Giannis was tweeting out and telling everyone like he has no access to a gym and he misses the basketball gym so much. He hasn't touched a basketball since March. And then uh, a week into the season, he told, tells reporters, yeah, I have, a, I have a basketball gym in my backyard. I've been practicing it every single day. I just wanted a competitive advantage over everyone else. I wanted everyone to think that I was coming in a step below. And that is weird, but that is really smart on some level. Like, you're, like when, you're in the, when you're in a professional league like the NBA, you want to get as much of an advantage as possible. 
any inch. Oh, I love Giannis. He, he's trying to get, get that competitive edge. He's He's got a, a similar mindset to a modern-day MJ, although he doesn't have that closing mentality, I think just because of the fact that he's not a great jump shooter. Um, he's, if he's a, ever able to develop that, watch out. Um, but his mindset is – He's a freak. Like, essentially, he wants to win at all odds. He's not trying to go out there and be buddy-buddy with people. Um, so, yeah, there's there's no doubt in my mind that he was slow playing people, wanting them to think, take it. Oh, if Giannis is, doesn't have access to the hoop and he's going to be the back-to-back MVP, then – then why do I need to be out there getting shots up? So, yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it was cute and everything, but I mean, I, I just I, I feel like a true competitor, you know, a high level competitor. They don't they don't need stunts, you know. They don't need to to kind of do the the trickery to to get an edge. If anything, I mean, keep it real. The true competitors out there, they want guys at their best. So there's no excuses. They're not even trying to give any excuses at all. Um, they want to be able to beat the guy when the guy actually believed that they were at their best and actually practiced at their best. So toe-to-toe, no excuses. Like, you know, the winner is, you know, the, the, the true winner. The, the, the one who day. joined with the, the super team buddies. You saw what you saw what Damian Lillard said to Paul George. I... I still think that the reason LeBron gets so much flack for that is because he was the one that made the deal happen. If he had an owner that had made the deal happen and created a super team for him, as in the Lakers, you know, Shaq dynasty, stuff like that, then sure. I mean, I feel like it would have been very accepted. He would have, any, any success he had had would have been team success. And, um, you know, so... It's, the, it's the, the athlete empowerment movement, the player empowerment movement is, is what that is. And I, I, I really think that that was something that really needed to happen. And in some subtle ways, the Last Dance documentary did have undertones of that narrative where it's like, what could have been for MJ had he had a more supportive, you know, executive team in the Chicago Bulls front office, right? Giving them an opportunity to, to be together another another year, who knows? They would have been four in a row and seven rings, stuff like that. Yeah, it's a lot. Like, cause you can contrast that with like what Golden State did. Like, their owners went so far into luxury tax in order to bring Kevin Durant on board and paid so like millions and millions of dollars just to have that super team. And they, I mean that that franchise now is one of the most. Um, wealthiest franchises in sports so it paid off for the owners um and it paid off for the players maybe i mean to be determined about kevin Durant, i think a lot of people still want to see him win um on his own or at least as the number one guy um but yeah i have a lot of thoughts on that so i don't we don't we don't need to go into a, a too far deep in the tangent sure, that's for another because armin and i can go all day for another episode <laughs> um all right so regarding the nba i don't know you guys have noticed this, but the competition has been great since since the season started. The league yes. restarted a lot of close games. The league restarted on July 30th, and eight games have been decided by three points or less, and six games have gone into overtime, including yesterday's double overtime between the Nuggets and Jazz. Nuggets and the Jazz. So while the Lakers and Bucks have clinched the top seed in their respective conferences, there have been a few surprises. Notably, the Phoenix Suns were the only undefeated team in the bubble going 5-0 and since the restart. 
But another surprise team that doesn't get the recognition I think they deserve are the Brooklyn Nets, who returned to the bubble without KD, obviously, Kyrie, DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, Tareem Prince, Michael Beasley. They, they returned to the bubble with no one, really, essentially no one. That's like a G League team. Yeah, with a G League team. They were written off. And they've gone 3-2 and two in the bubble, notably defeating the Bucks, and they've already clinched a playoff spot. They're sitting 7th and 7th seed in the East. So with all this NBA talk... It is prediction time. So we, us three, are going to give you on August 9th, Sunday, at 7.10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we are giving you our predictions. We're going to tell you who we think is going to come out of the East, coming out of the West, and who's going to win the finals. So, as a drum roll, Tori, who do you got coming out of the East? So my heart, I want the Pacers. This is what I want to happen. Pacers, Clippers. But the Pacers, Oladipo, Finals MVP. Uh, Pacers take out the Clips in seven. No. Um, obviously, like we mentioned, there's not a whole lot to go off of with regards to the top seeds playing in the bubble. We're not going to really know how if they're there to win it until the playoffs start because pretty much they're kind of set in stone. We're talking Lakers, Clippers, Bucks. Um Toronto, I think their seating's all pretty locked. I, I have to say, it's it's going to be in a team from LA that comes out of the West, no doubt about it in my mind. Oh, who's coming out of the East? Um, we're, we're going we're going East first. Oh, we're going East West. first. All right, we have a specific, East first. We got to go first. specific order. Um, so East is fascinating to me because I really like the Raptors and the way they're playing. Uh, they won the championship last year, and they're playing with as much resolve and confidence as they did last year. For me, I think the difference is I don't know. And they have guys like Fred Van Fleet last year was was hitting the most clutch shots in the finals, even more so than Kawhi in a lot of games. So they got some closers on that team and they got some champions on that team. So I, I don't know if I can bet against the Raptors. Part of me wants to I don't know they don't they don't have the most talent. They're probably fourth or fifth or maybe even the sixth most talented team in the East. Um, but it's hard for me to go against the Raptors. Having said that, I think I I have to go with the Bucks. It's the lame pick. They don't have that closer. That's what Middleton, to be determined. I, I don't know if we've seen enough of him, but he's the jump shooter. He needs to be that closer because Giannis, you've seen this late in the games over and over again. What is he? He's not a he's not a closer. He doesn't have he doesn't have that jump shot um, like you can see with like a Kawhi Leonard. So I just don't know about them, and it's hard. It's, it's for me, it's either Bucks Raptors, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb. I'm gonna go Raptors. I'm going to go Raptors out of the East, and then, let's see, out of the West, I'm going to go Clippers. So you got Raptors, Clippers. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Having said that, my one coffee. No, no, it's, I, I already typed it. I already, I already so typed tough, it, Tori. All right, let me, hold on. Let me, oh. let me do this. Little, <laughs> no, He's it, trying to hedge. No, I'm not hedging. He's trying to hedge. Because I. There's so many good matchups in the East. So right now we're looking at maybe the Pacers versus the Heat in the first round. And I think that's a great matchup because I think both those teams are really good. I would have to go with my heart and say the Pacers win that. And then you got the Sixers versus the Celtics. The Sixers without Simmons, some people think they may play better without him because Embiid can be fully unleashed. But Embiid's too inconsistent. He's not your traditional closer. So I'd get the Celtics in that. So you going um, Celtics or you going Raptors? Right. I, going I think so. I got Raptors. I, it could be any of those teams. That's why the East is a toss-up. I agree. Yeah, it's they're, they're, all three are pretty dangerous. The East is a toss-up to me. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go ahead and go. 
it's going to be Raptors or the Bucks. I'm just going to say Raptors just to be out there um, because they, they have that championship resolve. And then in the West, like I said, Clippers versus Lakers, it's going to be one of those two teams. And my biases are with the Clippers. Uh, I like their wing guys. I like PG and Kawhi. I just think they can do too much on both the offensive and defensive side. I don't necessarily think that the Lakers have people that can guard both of them for the full game. Um, the wild card here is if AD plays lights out, the Clippers don't have anyone that can really slow him down. So that's the X factor there. They got Joakim Noah. They do. They do. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm saying like they, they got – no, he's not going to slow him down. Like, he's a good uh, defender, former, former defensive player of the year. So – I just think the Clippers are a deeper team. They're a better all-around team. With the Lakers, with the loss of Avery Bradley, Rondo's hurt right now. Who knows if he's come back. Their backcourt is really struggling. So I think that might cause them to lose a few games in the early rounds. And then I think the Clippers ultimately are going to get them. And it's going to be Clippers, Raptors. I got Clippers. Clippers. Clippers are my champion. Surprise, surprise. I'm, before I'm not giving my predictions just yet, Tori, what I thought you were going to say about the Raptors is that I think the Raptors are in a very, very unique position in the sense of they are, they are coming off a championship, but in the same sense, they have a lot to prove. They have a huge chip on their shoulder, and they, have, they need a lot of resilience to prove to the world that Kawhi wasn't their team last year, like that they didn't rely on him. So, I mean, not too many teams are going for – Going uh, going for back-to-back championships while having a chip on their shoulders. So that that's that makes him pretty interesting. So before I give my predictions, Armin, let's hear yours. He's been a basketball fan since he was five, so he you know he knows a thing or two. And I mean, if you think about it, like that was essentially the same team that LeBron beat year after year after year after year in the Eastern Conference when he was over there. Uh, before being um, or before joining the Lakers, nah, they, didn't, they didn't have Siakam or Marc Gasol or Fred Fred Van Fleet. I mean, they were young. Whatever. Listen, I'm telling you right now, if they see LeBron, if they get to the finals, they see LeBron in the finals. It's, it's no, I don't think the Raptors are going to win. They don't have enough to win at all. Yeah, I mean, LeBron owns that franchise people need to understand like there's it's a psychological thing it's the same way that mj had over utah it, 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 anyway so it doesn't matter because they won the title last year at this point they did they did but they didn't see lebron um i so the east is tough it's very very difficult because Kawhi is a top three player and he's a generational type player and guys like that they, you, you, I don't think you can properly account for the impact that they can have. Especially, see, to me, where Kawhi was most important to the Raptors' success was in the fourth quarter. I mean, you, all those other guys you mentioned, the Siakams, the, the Van Fleets, Kyle Lowry, they're, they're guys are going to hit big shots. They're going to play tough defense. They're going to get you for, through those first three quarters and keep the game close. But what I see, and I've seen this my whole life, is especially in the playoffs that fourth quarter it's different things change you know guys just aren't as eager anymore to get into the play and everything slows down i've never seen a fast-paced uh playoff fourth quarter i just it's just not like something that happens it slows down 
fewer shots, fewer possessions, guys are running away from the ball. And it's like, who you got? Like, who is that guy that you can count on? It's not going to be a blowout. All of these games are going to pretty much go into the fourth quarter with single-digit leads, and it's going to come down to a few possessions. And you have to have guys that you can count on, that you know they're, they're going to be ready. And there's really only a few of those guys in this league. Kawhi is one of those guys. And I'm just not sure Siakam is that guy. I mean, I think they want him to be that guy. Van Fleet's going to hit some big shots in there here, you know, if you get him open. But they need a dog. They need a guy that's going to basically hit you either inside or outside, get his own shot, also have a threat to be able to, you know, dish, you know, get another guy an open look. And he's a guy that, you know, needs to be able to step to the line and knock him down if, if that becomes a situation. So. There's only a few of those guys. Um, Giannis is that guy for the most part, except for a huge dimension of his game that's missing, which Tori brought up, is the jump shot. And you would think that after last year, after what happened in last year's playoffs against the Toronto Raptors, where he was almost completely neutralized because of their defense, which really could only have been circumvented if he developed a jump shot. He didn't really do it. I mean, I, for some reason, he didn't spend this time off improving that jump shot. And, and so you wonder about that. Like, you wonder if they're just going to be able to come. He was stroking it decent from three, somewhat. He was showing – he showed improvements in his jump shot. But improvement's not what you need. Like, you need a guy that can be reliable. Anatomically, though, he's just going to have a hard time just how he's built. But I, it, it's, he's putting – it's, it's in slow progress. I almost, honestly, I know it's, it sounds crazy. I almost like Boston. Um, it's hard That's for me to go with Boston. That sounds crazy, man. I almost went with Boston. It's only, it, I, the reason why is because I, I do think that Brad Stevens is a sort of a generational talent coach. You know, I think he's on that level. Um, I think he will definitely win at least a couple of championships as a coach at some point. They may be the most talented team. And they have, they're just, oh my God, I, I've been watching the last couple of games. There's something about them. I mean, if, if Tatum could ever really emerge, you know, as being like that, that type of almost Kobe-like player, which, you know, Kobe's his mentor and, you know, taught him um, everything he knew and stuff like that. I, I could imagine Boston just being a dark horse in this and, and surprising a lot of people. But I just don't know. You know who their wild card is? I feel like if they get – like Gordon Hayward, if he starts playing back to like his prime, yeah. by the way, he's got 28 points and they're with a minute to go against the Magic. Also, Jalen Brown. Yeah, no, they, they have great defense. They're, they're, they're hard nosed. They play together. They have guys that can, you know, shoot the ball. You know, they have guys that can get their own shot. At least probably, you know, probably at least two guys with Kemba and, and um, Tatum and Hayward. Hayward, yeah. So uh, there you go. There you go. There you go. So Hayward. If he emerges, because he'll be the third guy that can get his own shot off the dribble, I mean, yeah, they, they would be a, a team to definitely. Well, they got like, they're like the, uh, the younger version of the Clippers with Kawhi and PG. They got Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum, but then they have Gordon Haywood and Kemba Walker, but there's some health issues there. Um, they have the most upside, I, other than the, the 76ers, who now seem with Simmons out to be kind of a, a lost yeah. cause for this season. So, at the, so I'm actually gonna I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm going to to kind of um, go with surprise pick here. Yeah, who you got? The East. 
I'm going to go with Boston. I'm going to go with Boston. I just, I like Toronto. Toronto is actually the team that I would, I would say is a very close second. And if they were to go, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, but it's just because I, I don't see Siakam being that guy yet. I think he, he, you know, he has it, but he's not there quite yet. You think whoever wins that potential Celtics uh, Raptors matchup in the second round is going to take out the Bucks in the Eastern Conference oh, Finals? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I just I like the Bucks. I do. I, well, I like Giannis. I mean, Giannis is obviously a generational talent as well. But he's like he's to me he is like a a, a thinner, more narrow version of Shaq. Um, he needs a, a Kobe. He needs a dog out there that can, you know, really put a lot of pressure on the defense. Middleton's not that dog. Middleton's no. Middleton's a third, a great third option, like a Clay Thompson kind of guy, but he's not your number two. Um, I don't. I mean, not for like the champion of the league, right? Not yeah. All right. So I like the Celtics. Who are the Celtics facing? That, you know, you are. You know, the Lakers. Because LeBron James, to me, LeBron James is still the greatest player in the NBA, just all things considered. Now, there's definitely greater physical talent in the league now, faster guys, guys can jump uh, higher, stronger guys, guys that, you know, maybe have, you know, different things they can do better. But um, you you put the, the mind, the basketball IQ, the experience, the fact that he really hasn't slowed down much. Um, he can do so many things still very, very well at a high level. And he still is the greatest facilitator in the game. He's kind of the most creative facilitator in the game. You know, Chris Paul's maybe a close second, but he's right there. And, and then you got uh, his ability now to hit the long ball, you know, at a high clip when he's feeling it. Uh, you know, I, I can't ever count out. I can't count out the king. You know, since 2016, he's a guy that proved to me that he can do the unthinkable, the impossible, and there really aren't any other guys in the league like him. Yeah, and they have another top five player on their team um, who has been inconsistent, but Anthony Davis is someone to be reckoned with. Uh, mismatch pretty much every time he steps on the court. That's my caveat. You know, just to close out, I'm going to say this. My caveat is this. Anthony Davis, there is a question mark. And, um, and I've seen enough of Anthony Davis now to really have serious questions. Is he a guy that can get pissed? You know, that can really just get angry and just say, okay, I'm taking over this game. Yeah. Like he, can he channel he's that? the best athlete in the low post. Can he channel that and become this guy that everybody fears? People don't fear LeBron, but it's not because LeBron is it to be feared or doesn't have that, that dominance? I mean, he's humiliated many, many players, many teams over many years, but it's just because he's a guy that, as the ambassador of the league um, and kind of the face of the league, he always has that uh, nice guy vibe. Um, he's more looking to spread positive energy and, you know, and be your best friend, kind of shake hands before and after the game and all this. And Anthony Davis, uh, he kind of has to be that kind of, you know, that other side, kind of good cop, bad cop. He has to be the enforcer. Um, he has to be the guy that's like, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't talk much. He's, you know, got to be Diesel, just like Shaq. Just like, you know, put it, just like punch him in the mouth guy. Yeah, he's won championship at Kentucky as a freshman. He's been there. Um, he's been, he's won a playoff series, upset the Blazers a few years back. So 
it's just a matter of him channeling that that uh, those emotions because you, you'll see him a lot of times with injuries, the kind of ticky tack injuries, kind of his body language is a little off sometimes, maybe a little somatic here and there. It's a little off a lot of times, and that's what concerns me is the slumping, the you know kind of looking like he's looking to other guys for comfort or, or, or for reassurance. And, you know, and now that you and I, now that we're able to get these unique camera angles, I'm starting to see things a lot differently. Because what they'll do is now they'll follow the guys as they're walking off the court from a timeout or from a stop and play. And they're actually showing their faces. And, and you can even see their eyes and where, who they're looking at. And it's, it's interesting to see affect. Affect really tells you a lot. And I'm starting to realize that it's translating. What's interesting is I'm, I'm looking at the affect of the guys and seeing how it's actually translating into their play, like whether they're playing well or whether they're playing poorly. I can tell based on their body language and their, you know, their facial expressions what's kind of happening. Do you, let me ask you this, Armin, before we get Ben's picks. What do you think about AD being the guy who chose? I know he was traded to the Lakers, but he chose to go to the Lakers. Um, versus guys like Kawhi and PG who who didn't necessarily want to go and join LeBron in, at the Lakers. What do you think that says about AD that he he did go and join LeBron? He didn't mind joining someone who's already established champion, knowing he was going to go to LeBron's team and kind of be the 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 number two guy or the one B guy. Well, I, I don't. I think it was more to it than that. Um, I think that he had the impression that he would be potentially inheriting the team, so. LeBron being the guy for maybe the first two, three years, and then he would be the guy, which makes sense. I mean, why not learn from a legend in the game, a guy that's already won championships, win a championship together, and then take over. Um, that, that feels like what the formula was. And I, I sort of actually agree with that because he was a number one guy with the New Orleans Pelicans, but he couldn't get past you know, the, what, the second round of the playoffs. So why not, just like LeBron did with D-Wade, learn how to win, and, uh, and then, you know, you, you can forge yeah, your own destiny. That makes sense. And then verse like Kawhi's already established champion, NBA Finals MVP, and PG, although not a champion, he's went toe-to-toe with LeBron in Eastern Conference Finals games, yeah. seven games, six game series. So it would be kind of different. It would be like a Kevin Durant move if he joined LeBron. So I think, yeah, I think it made sense for AD. All right, Ben, who you got? So I'm starting from the East. I am dipping into my sleeper picks right here. I don't think they're sleepers. I'm going Miami Heat coming out of the East. Ooh. Armin, you were talking about they can shoot the three. LeBron, why LeBron is so good and what what factor what, what like what trade he has and how he gets pissed. You need someone who gets pissed. Jimmy Butler is a dog with a W. That dude wants to win and he will do anything it takes to win. I love his style. I love his mentality. He's not there to make friends. He's there to win games. And I think he elevates his teammates. I think. Some, te- some players can't play with him. I think you've seen that maybe in Philadelphia, Minnesota. Some guys can't play with him, and that's okay. But I think he's finally settled into a place in Miami where people know he's the alpha dog, and it's either his way or the highway because he, he's got the right way. He's got the right mindset. I love the players that are surrounding him. They, I love that those additions with Iguodala, that veteran presence. And you saw how he got, he got up a few nights ago with that slam dunk. He still, he still, got, still got pretty good hops. 
Um, and they, they're mad young too. I mean, Bam, Bam, you see what Bam is doing? You saw uh, earlier earlier this season, D Way challenged him. He said, "All right, get uh, let's, let's see you get 15, 10, and five. Now he's averaging 16, 10, and five. He's like a more athletic Draymond Green. Yeah, I I love I love Kendrick Nunn. Love I love uh, Duncan Robinson being like hero. Yeah, Tyler hero. hero. Duncan Robinson's lights out. I love Dragic. Point. Uh, I think I think all around they they're they're sleepers. Derek Jones, flashy, flashy dunks, great great hops. Um, I think they're sleepers. I understand why they're sleepers. Also, My, Myers Leonard too. Um, all around. I, he went off last year in the playoffs. He did. I think that there's people are sleeping on them. I'm excited. But all in all, I'm a huge Jimmy Butler guy. I think he's a dog. Um, coming out of the West, I'm gonna pick you pick you off, Tory. I'm going Clippers. Um, a boy. You know what? There's no way. Listen, they cl- hey, let the man hey, talk. Let me, let me talk. Let me talk. We've we've seen. <laughs> look, we've seen. They, they've had they've had okay, a winning record okay. against. They've had a winning record against the Lakers this um this season when both teams are healthy and at sure. full strength. They just they just played a game against the Lakers opening night and they were playing without Montrez Harrell and Lou Will and it came down to it, it came down to Paul George's three pointer. They lost by two points. Um, the Lakers are their only true threat. Like they're there, not not writing them off. But I think what puts the Clippers over the top is the depth. I think. I think what you've seen time in and time out is the depth is what it puts depth is overrated. The depth is overrated. I don't. So I in just, the playoffs I it can be. I did. <clears throat> I, I I don't know if it's overrated, but I, I'm also talking about the Lakers Clippers. Lakers Clippers <laughs> matchup. I think depth is what's going to put them over the top. But we shall see. Do you think the happening. winner of the Lakers Clippers are, are going to be your champions? Also, oh, we'll, let's let's do let's do a serpentine uh, in terms of finals. We, didn't, we now we need we now need to give our finals predictions. So let me just type this out. Uh, I got the Heat. I think you can know where Armin and I are going. <sighs> Armin's not going to have the Lakers losing. <laughs> Yo, uh, honestly, the Kings honestly, not getting if, taken out by Tatum. I'll say this: if Jimmy Butler brings the Heat to the finals, I think that that's going to be a train. Filled with steam, that's not going to stop for anything. Okay. I think that I think if he's going to Real, the finals, they're going to they're going to win it. Real talk, though, has Jimmy? What has Jimmy Butler proved other than getting himself so ran out of two cities? You're right. I'm going to counter that with what does Jimmy Butler have to prove? I mean, he's never won a championship. He's, he's, never, he's never been. A, he's never been a Jimmy, number one guy. Jimmy Butler, he's a dog, but he he's not consistent. And he's also not a guy that is productive. It's like, I don't know what, I can't call it a maturity thing. It's just something about him. He just, he doesn't seem to be a guy that can be the leader of the team. You know, and it's just kind of a mindset thing. And I think you have to be a reliable, consistent leader, unflappable, Steph Curry kind of guy where, you're not getting into conflicts with other players on the team. You're not getting into conflicts with the coach. You're more just kind of representing, and it, maybe it is a maturity thing. I don't know. But I think I think I think what we've we found out here that, that like this season, this playoffs, we're gonna know about Jimmy Butler after this playoffs because we haven't. Like he, this is his team. This is for probably for the first time. Like his team, because he was in Chicago, but it was D. D. Rose, and I, I think he was still there when D. Rose left. But it was still like 
D Rose's team, even though maybe he wasn't there. Uh, T Wolves, yeah. he, he was he, he was a cast. I I also think uh, having Iguodala as a teammate, I think that's gonna do wonders for him. And I think he's gonna. Uh, I think he can can do a lot, and he can teach him a lot about being a leader and how to get along with their teammates. So. So the first round matchup would be Miami versus Pacers, <laughs> unless unless they. <laughs> Oh yeah, Miami's got to take them out for sure. I, yeah, I, no, I don't know. I'm not so sure if if, if Sabonis comes back. That well, you know what? You're right. Sabonis. Dude, he, TJ he, Warren versus Jimmy. That's their the last time they played. They both got kicked out. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for that. Sabonis, Sabonis is a is a game changer. I agree with that. No, Tori's right. The the Jimmy Butler TJ Warren matchup. Man, that's gonna be great. If the Pacers um, were completely healthy and Oladipo wasn't afraid to attack just, the rim right now, TJ Warren. I just don't know, but I feel like he's just one of these guys that's on a hot streak. I don't know, man. He's been in the league long enough now. I remember him when he came. He was at Odia, NC State, uh, and I don't know. I mean, he's a he's a pure scorer. How's his defense? Is he is he finally turned into a defender now? That's that's how he. I think if he wants to get to get legitimate playoff minutes, he's going to have to be a guy that can shut down you know another teams. I see him kind of like a mellow. Like he's a bucket getter. Yeah. He's not necessarily a plus defender though, but he's efficient. He's efficient. That's important. Yeah. Jimmy Butler though is going to need a lot more than uh, the TJ Warren in front of him. All right, let's push this along <laughs> because. Real, so real quick, we're uh, we're gonna we're gonna run through who's gonna win the finals. No need for explanations. Just who's gonna win the finals. We're gonna book it, and whoever's whoever gets all three right, the other two are gonna buy the third one drinks when uh, when when we uh, finally meet up. Uh, so, and then we're going to go to the fourth and fifth topic. The fifth topic is in the fifth segment. It's going to be a lot of fun. So real quick, Tori, or no, Armin, Celtics or Lakers? In the finals? Uh, Lakers all, all day. Yeah. Tori, Raptors or Clippers? I got Clippers, quick work, in five or six. Oh, in five or six. It'll be Lakers okay. and six. It's the uh, Lakers and Boston series, right there. And if and I'm going Heat in seven. Ooh, the Heat, the Heatles. Heat in seven. I'm telling you. Um, also, I got to stand out. But yeah, no. If I I really think if Butler brings a team to the finals, no one's gonna stop them. All right. So on to the next segment. So we mentioned that part of this new normalcy that athletes in sports are returning to are empty stadiums. Right? They don't have any fans in the crowds. And as we all know, crowds bring the energy. The crowds are the life of the stadium. So, and, and they certainly motivate the home players. So what do you think is the mentality for an athlete stepping onto the field, court, or ice without fans? And one quick fun fact I, was, uh, I, was, I saw on Twitter was from our previous guest, Dylan Hoffman. Shout out Dylan Hoffman, who brought up a great point. Madison Bumgarner, starting pitcher from the Arizona Diamondbacks, is known for being a great playoff pitcher. And so when you play in the playoffs, you you're riding off the energy. And right now, he's had three starts with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and he's played like garbage. He's not lived up to his new contract at all. So he brought up a point. Maybe Bumgarner is one of the is one of those guys that kind of needs to ride off the crowd's energy. He needs that mo- momentum and motivation. So, Armin, I'm going to start with you. What do you think is the mentality for an athlete stepping onto a field, court, or ice without any fans in the court? How do you find that inner motivation? It, it, is it is it easier than we're making it out to be, or what? Yeah, that's a good one. I I think if that's something that you really do feed off of, it, it's going to be an adjustment period. 
you know, that's not something that can be easily duplicated. And, um, you know, it, it's almost, it's almost kind of like a personality thing. I mean, some of us really do, mm -hmm. uh, I think, feed off of external validation, you know, and, and mm -hmm. uh, I think having the, the uh, you know, the sound of, of, of fans, you know, really like calling your name and, and you know, cheering you on. And um, there is something about that energy that I think is, is pretty special. Now, it's kind of like what we we're, what were talking about earlier, though. Um, when you're a high level mental fitness guy, or gal, um, what you do have is this kind of ability, kind of like a sixth sense, almost kind of ability to, um, to be flexible. Right, so you encounter a new experience, um, something you've never had to deal with before, and you really do have enough focus, right, and enough mental toughness in terms of your preparation that um, you should be able to get right back into that space uh, once you start practicing going back to the basics, the fundamentals, without crowd noise, right? So what you want to do is you want to now create a new environment in your preparation. Because the preparation hasn't changed. I mean, that's what you've been doing since, you know, however long. Hopefully by now, if you're a professional, you have a routine, you have a rhythm. But what you are going to do is you're going to have to now integrate this routine into a, a new environment, right? A, a new physical environment, a new physical space. One that doesn't have crowd noise, doesn't have cheering fans, and um, it's going to be something different. But just like with anything else, you know, after several weeks and you know, several months, getting back into a new rhythm, new normal, if you will, creating a new normal, um, I think that you can at least develop a similar comfort level. <clears throat> now, what I, what I think will be a question mark is if you can ever really achieve the same degree of success um, as you had before, because it is different, it's not the same. You may even find yourself doing even better. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be worse in terms of your performance. You could even find yourself, once you get used to this new normal and create this new normal for yourself, without crowd noise, uh, new normal, you may find yourself doing even better, but you're going to have to change. In other words, your, your mind is going to have to adjust and um, I think you can achieve peak performance again. The question is to what extent? Yeah, I think you touched on it perfectly. I think we're going to find out. I think that's the most fascinating thing. We're going to find out whether or not certain individuals are in it for the love of the game. They strictly just love balling. They just love playing. They love the competition. They love beating other individuals in their sport. A la an MJ, I think someone like Michael Jordan or Ben, you mentioned this earlier, Kobe Bryant would thrive in a situation like this because they just care about beating down other people. Um, I think they could care less about the fans and the, and the adoration or the, or the hate they get from the people in the stands. So we're going to find out if, if we know if someone's balling out in this kind of closed arena with no fans, we know that they love the competition, they love the game. Um, and if you see people slacking, it may, may be because they, they were, they're not necessarily in it solely for the game and for the competition. Maybe they love the attention they get, the adoration, the external validation, like Armin mentioned, um, which is huge. These, we talked about this in the um, Mental Health for Young Athletes episode. 
when you're playing sports from a young age, you get put on this pedestal if you're really good at him. Look at a Zion Williams who was on uh, Instagram going viral since he was like 15, 14 years old with these dunks. Um, and you get used to being on that pedestal. You get used to that external validation. And then that becomes the reason why you're playing the game is because you can keep this external validation coming in to bolster you up and keep you on that pedestal. It's dopamine. That's, it's, it becomes addicting. It, it, it triggers the limbic system in, in your brain and triggers that dopamine influx. And, and you start feeling good from that external validation, from the applause and sometimes even the booze. You love that attention that you get on the court and off the court on social media. And we're going to find out whether or not some individuals are just in it for that or they love the game because there's no fans there. Um, so I think that'll be something fascinating to look out for. Um, so it's important, like Armin said, you can cultivate that kind of internal validation is what we want individuals to cultivate because then you can be more focused on the task at hand and, and eliminate distractions because ultimately fans are just distractors for the most part. So like Armin touched, touched, touched on this, you can cultivate that motivation from within by doing mindfulness practices, by doing gratitude practices and so on and so forth and just practicing your craft. So I'm going to find it fascinating when these individuals step on the ice or the basketball court. And if they excel, you know that they just love the competition in the game. And if they're, they're slacking off, maybe, maybe it's because there's no fans there and they're not getting that immediate gratification of, of applause when you hit a shot or you score a goal. So this is, it's going to be exciting that once the playoffs actually start. Yeah, no, it will be. Yeah. I, I, I've been thinking about this with the NBA playoffs um, and, and how, how that's going to change because it's not, it's not even so much just the crowd noise and the applause and everything in the home field or home court advantage. I think it's also like just this, have you seen it? Um, whenever there's a timeout and you have like the, as you put it earlier, like whatever the, the team huddle happens on the court, um, the players are a little more spaced out. They have to sit kind of like, in these fold-up chairs that they put onto the court. And the way it's kind of set up is like, it's, 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 they're not as together. Um, and then like the rest of the team is sort of socially distanced. And then the staff, right, and, and the assistant coaches, the trainers, um, they're kind of like in the background. So the dynamics, uh, in terms of team chemistry, I think are also different. It's not just the fans, it's also like the organization and, and how they get to interact. Um, you don't see as much emotion, you don't see as much kind of high-fiving, it's just the emotion in general on the sidelines is just different. The energy is different on the sidelines. And I'm hoping that, that'll change once the playoff hits. It might, it, you know, but I, I wonder if how much that's gonna change things because, you know, that's momentum. You talk about teams going on runs and basketball is after all a game of runs. I mean, it's a lot of it does seem to be kind of dictated by and driven by what's happening on the sidelines just as much as it is on the court. Yeah. So I don't know. There's less, I guess there, with the fans out there, there's less energy to kind of feed off of. So you have to, and when you're spread yeah. out on the bench, how do you cultivate that amongst your team? So you, you bring up a good point because I think you, communication we've often talked about that is going to be even more so key now not only is it going to be quieter and you can communicate easier but you have to rely on your team a lot more especially since you're isolated in a bubble not with family and friends 
and there's no fans. So you have to rely on your team to kind of create that energy, create that momentum and vice versa, stop that momentum. Yeah. So I, I wonder, for instance, okay, think about 2016 when LeBron James and Cleveland Cavaliers were down 3-1, okay? Like the only way that you're coming back in that kind of situation from one of the greatest teams of all time is you have to have all kinds of internal resilience and all kinds of just like, I don't know, team chemistry, team focus, team belief. And also that, that like against all odds kind of mindset. Against too. all you know, odds, yeah. Because to go into Golden State in a game seven on the road, you have to flip that and use that kind of negative energy from the fans the, being in a hostile environment and use it to your favor, which they absolutely did. Like they were, you can tell, like anytime you go on the road and win a game seven, you're fueled off that going into that hostile territory. You're turning that, that difficult situation into something positive. And that has to do with gratitude and different things. But they were, they were LeBron and company, Kyrie, able to hone that negative energy in that hostile environment and use it to their favor. And now there's none of that. It's a neutral site. So there's no home and away. It's, it's very it's it's different. different. So, so check this out. That's where so, we lose as fans. No, we do. And, and speaking of which, you know, all those dynamics play into it. But then imagine if this bubble thing happened 30 years ago, right, before social media. So maybe players would have like the, the newspaper or something like that. But in terms of like that engagement, you know, that, that kind of hype and stuff like that, that really kind of gets you going. Nowadays, that might in some ways replace the energy that, um, you know, would have been missing 30 years ago in terms of what, knowing what the, the average fan and then what the energy of the crowd and energy of the, the media, so to speak, behind everything is like. So that's interesting, too, to see how social media has, has changed things. And I just want to point out, think about this battle that's been going on between the Clippers and Dame Lillard. Like, that's a little unusual by NBA standards, not to see, not to see there's a battle, but like for high-level teams at this stage to be really going at it. During the season. During the season. It kind of makes me wonder to what extent being in this bubble – has maybe changed the dynamic among the different teams, right? Because it's not like they're coming into each other's arenas from other cities. Like they're all together, you know, presumably but often. They can cross you know? paths on campus. I'm That's sure what I'm they... saying. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a very different dynamic. And the lunch line. So I, I, I have a feeling that, that what we saw with that social media battle is going to continue throughout these playoffs. And it's kind of exciting to see that too. I forgot who, but there was a player who um, took down Giannis, I want to say. And he and later after the game, he said that a bunch of players approached him um, in the bubble and gave him advice on how to take down Giannis. I, I, could, be, I, I could be mistaken in Giannis for someone else. Maybe I may be talking about Harden, but yeah, like a few players approached. There was a, a Nets player, I think, that – Took put an elbow on Giannis's neck and took him down one game. Or I don't know if you're talking about him. Oh, I hope that I. I mean. Oh yeah, yeah. Because Giannis came out this right. That's, that's right. That's a good one. Wow. All right. Wow. All right, guys. So on to the last. On to the last segment. This is this is a quick rapid fire new segment. What do you, What do you think? I'm gonna ask you a question. Rapid fire, straight off the top of your dome. What are you thinking? Move on to the next one. You guys ready? Yes, sir. All right. What do you think of the NFL season starting 
going to happen or not? Armin. NFL? NFL. Absolutely. Too much money. It's too much money. Holistic <laughs> society, baby. There's too much money out there. There's too much money out there to be left on the table. For that. They're, they're going to do something. I don't Absolutely. know what it's going to be. Yeah. Gonna, the, 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 the beauty about the NFL, and we're going to do a part two of Welcome Back, and we're going to talking about NFL and college football. I'm just putting oh, that yeah. out there. And NFL, the beauty of the NFL versus college football is they make the majority of their money through their TV contracts. So they can still generate a lot of revenue by just playing games without fans. And we've seen it now that that can still happen. I don't know, like ideally they do a bubble or hub situation like the NHL does. NHL is playing in two different hubs in Canada. Um, But yeah, I think it's going to happen. I would say if I were to bet, I would say without fans or drastically reduced number of fans. All right. Yeah, I'd say drastically reduced, more like a VIP. Kind well, right of now, like the Falcons have said, yeah. like there's going to be between ten to twenty thousand fans for home games. The Ravens said no more than yeah. fourteen thousand fans. The Packers are no fans for the first two games, and then we'll see. And then the the uh, Bens, New York Jets and Giants. Are you Jets or Giants? I'm a Giants fan. They are saying no fans indefinitely, which I think is the ultimately the greatest, the right decision. An idea I had that I. I... I'm waiting for a team to take me up on this is to put like dummy dummy fans into each stadium and now what now what the Korean baseball organization did they put sex dolls in the stadium so I'm <laughs> like fill up a stadium with dummies and put a GoPro on each dummy and then sell that live streaming from each GoPro to a fan so like if a fan wants to sit behind the away team's dugout they pay like a reduced rate or whatever it's crazy it's ridiculous but I think fans would be interested it would give them like the unique uh, in-person experience. I'll play contrarian to that. I just think that what, what you see on your TV, you can't get a better view than that. The reason you pay all that money to be at the game is you don't sit behind the plate even. You're not having the best view of all the action. I mean, it's an interesting view, but you're there because the reason you pay for that is because you're in the stadium. You're right there. You can smell the players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know how that would yeah, right. Maybe There's maybe some people out there. Maybe Marlon's man would want to do it if he, if he could also get a, a cutout that looks like him. So listen to this. Marlon's man reached out. Uh, Armin, you know who Marlon's man is? Uh, tell me. Who is he? Mar- Marlon's man is this uh, bajillion uh, lawyer who spends all of his money on the front row behind the home plate uh, seats to, like, Every big game. You look back to any big game, you'll see, and he's all decked out in Marlins gear. All he's orange like, Marlins gear. So he, he usually has one or two cute girls with him. Oh, yeah. So he <laughs> sent, he uh, reached out to every single baseball team saying, I will pay you like $1,000 or more what you're charging for you to put the cutout board fan version of me behind home plate. And only three fans said yes. Only three fans said yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. On to the next one. Okay, so Tori, I'm going to start off with you. What do you think of the possibility that college football seasons will begin in the fall while some colleges have already canceled in-person classes? Yeah, that's a tough one. And this is what I want to expand upon our next uh, episode the, that we do. It was a sneak uh, peek. But I'm going to say, because college football, unlike NFL, is solely reliant on ticket sales. That's where they make the majority of their money. And these, some of these football programs like LSU, most of these major Power Five conferences, SEC, Big Ten, their whole athletic department is funded by football revenue. That funds all the other sports. You're not going to have women's basketball 
or baseball without football because they make so much money for these schools. And a lot of that is from ticket sales. And unfortunately, I don't see how you can have, they've already said they're probably going to have to cut attendance in half. And that's going to be devastating for ticket sales, like for that revenue that they generate. They're not going to be able to do the games without having fans there because it just doesn't make sense financially. We've already seen like these, all the conferences, SEC, Big 12, all the major conferences are just doing conference only. So it's almost going to be like kind of a pseudo section regionalized bubble situation, but teams are still going to have to travel and fly and so forth. As you know, in the PAC 12, so spread out. So, and we've seen the Mac has already canceled, canceled their football season. Um, but it's going to be interesting. And I think at the end of the day, they're all saying they're going to move forward. But that one I'm a little bit more skeptical about. I hope to see it because college football idea like is, if not number one, it's in the top two of my favorite sports of all time. So I hope it happens. The interesting thing there that I want to expand upon in later episodes is it's very going to be very regionalized because each conference. Oh, yeah. You have places like Pac-12 who have multiple teams in California where the numbers are a lot higher than other states um and and then you have political views that come on versus like pac-12 is probably more of a liberal leaning conference versus like sec or 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 acc that are located more so in the south so um that's going to be interesting um so i would say that i hope they play but they're gonna they have i feel like they have to have fans in order to make it fruitful well this is a situation where ben's idea sounds like it might work out pretty well right so um they could get at least partial ticket sales, discounted ticket sales from a, a virtual encounter using some sort of fan dummy or dummy fan or whatever. You're I mean, about. I think if I don't think they'd have an issue sell, selling tickets because I think there's plenty of people out there that don't feel like it's that big of a risk to go sit with a hundred thousand other people and watch football, but whether or not they should do that, I don't think they definitely don't think they should. We all know the, the data and the science behind that at this point, but yeah, with it's weird situation. A lot of colleges campuses are doing strictly online, but then you're going to have college athletes come to campus, which they already have been doing and then be competing. Ooh, we'll keep our, what do you guys know about this, uh, this VR technology? I haven't tried it. Yet. I've been wanting to try it for the NBA games. Yeah, I mean, I keep hearing it. It's it's pretty good stuff. I mean, I wonder if they could start using more of a virtual technology experience to get us closer to the game, like that game feeling, even if they were not going to be in the stadium. I feel like if they could do that, they might not be able to get the full ticket price that they had, you know, in that that market where you're, as you said, smelling the players. But I think they can get something, and then maybe they can make money other ways, like through whatever. Um, what if they had like a virtual like beer guy? They could just like give you a beer. <laughs> that would be pretty. pretty no, cool. I, I was actually I was actually what what uh what, what they what they could do is they could hire like they, they could do like a postmate situation. Like <laughs> they, let's say they hire I love it. five four or five people in my area, and like this is like hypothetically. And let's say like let's say I'm I live on seventy. Let's say Tori lives on seventy fifth, and I go on this app and I I order like. All right, I want two Bud Lights and like a pretzel, well, and then like whatever post that they have that. delivers that shit. That's not a bad idea. I you're saying I could get a Dodger dog from LA, like if I paid a certain amount of money, uh, I get access I to about, all the LA Dodger concession stands. I don't know about Dodger. And you're onto something there. You're onto something there. It would have to be yeah, the authentic food, and then you got like the fat. Everyone loves going to Atlanta Falcons games because it's everything super cheap in that stadium. Unlike a Dodger dog, which co- probably costs twenty five bucks. Love that. But oh, you're onto something there. 
let's let's call up these NFL GMs or well, the owners. And, and 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 hey, here's a cool thing about a virtual experience, right? So you hate being in a, in the nosebleed section near these stadiums, but you never have to be again. I mean, theoretically, if it's a virtual experience, everybody can be sort of pretty close, up close and personal in terms of their view. Onto yeah, the but there's nothing like getting beer spilt on you at like a Buffalo Bills game or getting thrown through a fucking plastic table. All right, we got to move this along, boys. I think we're, we're, we're up, we might be two hours <laughs> deep at this point. Oh, yeah. We're, we'll be, I, I'm, real quick, I'm with Tori. I, I love the greediness of uh, sports games. It's, it's that adds to the... It's the atmosphere. You're, except for when it's butt-ass. Except for when it's yeah. butt-ass oh, Sometimes that adds to it. Or you or can't feel your toes. Uh, That's why they got beer to warm you up. Yeah. All right, real quick, Tori, what do you think of the problems in noise? Yay or nay? I've I've enjoyed it. I forget about it uh, when it's going on. I've actually enjoyed it watching the soccer and NBA games. I think it's kind of cool. I even watch an NHL game. Like they they know when to like if there's a shot on goal, they know when to turn up the volume, and it, it's kind of cool. It, you forget yeah. that there's no fans there, and that's fake. Armin, I mean the the noise thing to me that that might be the the most important thing I've I've recognized again i'm not there in the bubble so i don't know what it feels like to be there but as a person watching it um on a tv screen that as when i'm watching and focused on the game the the background noise feels pretty authentic you know it's like an eight out of ten in terms of authenticism and it keeps me engaged it's so it's so important yeah i like it I just have a quote that pulled up here from LeBron. It says, it's a very, very weird dynamic. I haven't played in an empty gym in a very, very long time. So it's an adjustment for these guys. Yeah. Um, that's right. That's, I mean, like we said, these guys have been on this pedestal with packed gyms since they were in high school. So it's got to be different for them. Um, as a fan experience, it's normal. But for them, I think it's, it's got to be a huge adjustment. The, the funniest thing to me is when they have like the, the, all the, the multiple screens and you have people that look kind of weird. And they're like smiling in these weird kind of ways. And it's like, ah. tell them about a goat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Giannis had his newborn dressed in my MJ onesie. Yeah, that was really cute. But there's something about the two dimensional screen, but then like these three dimensional faces. It is something weird about it, but I don't know. They'll, they'll get it. It's the first time. It's the first year they're doing this. They'll get it right. They did, they did a pretty good job uh, despite. Okay, so now you guys, you guys are professors right now. We're giving out letter grades. Armin, I'm going to start with you. How have professional leagues handled the pandemic? And that's uh, sports in general or any particular one? I want to say in general and to everyone thinking, oh, that movie sucks at how they're handling it. Yeah, they do. It is like no one is actually prepared for this. So I'm giving, I'm, I don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but in general, all the leagues combined with all the bubbles, virtual. Fans. I would say, I'd say B plus. Um, I could be probably pushed even to an A minus. Uh, I say that because first and foremost, when you contrast what the professional organization in, in sports have done compared to other organizations, uh, other industries, including healthcare, frankly. Um, I think they've really led the way. I think they've really been out front publicly in terms of uh, being transparent about what they plan to do. I think that they've really come together uh, collectively. Um, I think they've gotten the vast majority of the players to buy in and their fan bases uh, to buy in. 
because of the transparency. And, um, you know, I think that they, for the most part, have been really smart about it, measured about it. Um, they've given players the opportunity to kind of have options. Um, so it hasn't been like imposed. And uh, I love how the NBA has enabled the players to join with social justice causes. Uh, I love the fact, maybe the biggest thing I've seen that's just been tremendous has been with the NFL and how it's rallied around Colin Kaepernick in the midst of the last several months and that whole issue. Um, so they've sort of been like, they've had their finger on the pulse of a lot of the different social forces. Um, and, you know, they've adjusted and there's been significant adjustments. And this is the mark of a great, of a great company, a great organization, a great system is when you can just make adjustments and not really miss a beat in a major way. And the way that we've seen the NBA just kind of unveil this new plan after a few months, and it's, it's basically being pulled off flawlessly so far. You, you can't help but, but really commend that. So overall, I'd say um, it's been pretty good so far, but then you have, I can't give it an A plus because you got the, you know, Major League Baseball, they're kind of flailing a little bit now, it seems. Um, I, I don't know if their plan has been the best. And, uh, you know, well, and there's still some, you know, mm -hmm. it, it remains to be seen. So I think that we'll see in a couple of months, like where football goes, yeah, but man, I'm going to say B plus for now. Corey? Yeah, I got. I got to say that the NBA has done the best. Probably, I give them an A. Give NHL an A minus, only because I didn't like how the Penguins had to play uh, the Canadians and got knocked out of the qualifying round. That was very upsetting because um, I thought they had a real shot at winning it all, and they don't even make the final sixteen. Um, but they've done a great job with their two hub system. Uh, MLS, I think, does a great job. Their their bubble system, WNBA. Um, although uh, they're at the IMG Academy, so not quite as uh, as good of a setup as the NBA players have at, at the Dis Disneyland setup. Um, and then, yeah, MLB definitely, I think barely passing, I'd give them a D. Nice, um, nice. They're, they're hanging in there. I think uh, it's uh, it's almost like a matter of time before something goes really bad there because the players are flying around. They're, they're gonna, you're going to get COVID. You're going to get different things. So, and it, and they, they had the most time. Their season hadn't even started yet. Um, but they, I know they had a lot of – struggles with the MLB and the MLBPA and different uh, Don't get me started on issues the, on that. And players. They're barely hanging in there with the D, but they're, it's, it's, it's bad. Um, but other than that, everyone seems to be doing a good job so far. Honestly, I'm just going to go off on the MLB. What really, what really irks me about MLB is, um, as you said, Tori, when they went into the, when, when they went into contract negotiations between MLB and MLBPA, there was a very pivotal moment, I want to say in March or April, where, like the conversation was all about the money and the contracts and no one was thinking about COVID anymore. And the minute that mentality switched, I, it made me realize like no one gives a shit about COVID. No one's taking any preparations <laughs> for this. Like they're, they're going to be in trouble once the season starts and lo and behold, the season starts and they have nothing prepared for And I do have, there's no plan. There's no plan. They have no plan. And I do have to say that all of the, all of what's happening right now is giving the NFL a lot of pressure. The pressure's on the NFL to, have a flawless plan, and that's a lot easier said than done. But they have had the most time of all sports. So hold on, let me also give great UFC's a great job. I'm going to give an A for them, and then PGA Golf. I mean, it's easy for them. They've done a great job as well. Yeah, you think baseball could have figured it out since it's an outdoor sport? Um, shame on you, MLB. 
Yeah, damn it, Manfred. Also, shame damn. for Manfred. Just oh, we're not going to punish the Astros players. So we'll oh, don't get me started. We'll have to and punish they, them, and then you you suspend Joe <laughs> Kelly for for taking free Joe Kelly, and then free you got Joe Yankees players with fucking stick them on their caps, and you can't do anything about that. Baseball is mired in controversy. It always has been. It just every decade is going to be something. That's the, how they still re- stay relevant. Honestly. <laughs> I love baseball, but I'll be the first one to admit. I'll be the first one to admit it. it is the most boring sport. It is the slowest sport, and that's the reason why I love it. I think there's I love some, going to the ballpark. There's nothing some hard to it. Um, all right, so so last question, and it wouldn't be a sports like MD's episode if I didn't ask. What do you think are the mental health effects of this pandemic, Tori? We've already kind of talked about this though a little bit. It's like so many things have changed. Your priorities may have changed. We've had several players, Avery Bradley stepping out, excusing himself from the bubble because he wants to focus more on the social justice and social change. Distractions. You have COVID-19 out there. You have your own personal health concerns with regards to that. You have concerns about getting your loved ones sick. You're, if you're in a bubble system, you're isolated. So you're isolated from others. You ha- and then you have these very strict protocols you have to deal with. You can't order Postmates. You can't have a booty call. Um, so it's a change in routine, right? You're, you, have, you can't go to Magic. Their wings will. A change in routine, more distractions, other things on your plate that you might, may prioritize over the game of basketball like fighting for social justice and how can you do both of those at the same time? There's all this different, all these different things going on. And I think, how do you balance that? That's the ultimate, I guess, challenge. And that can absolutely affect your mental health um, on and off the court. And if you're not, obviously if you, there's more distractions, you're not playing as well on the court or on the ice that could affect your mental health as well. So I think ultimately you can isolation, puts you at risk for depression, anxiety, and different things. Having more on your plate, more to worry about, it, it puts you at risk for anxiety. Coming back um, after a long layoff like the NBA or the NHL puts you at risk for injury, which could put you at risk for an adjustment disorder. If you were to get injured, say Jonathan Isaac of the uh, Orlando Magic, who recently tore his ACL, that's going to linger on to next season because that's going to start in December. So he may not even play next year. And that obviously can affect your mental health so you have all these different factors um so ideally these players are grounded with their gratitude exercises their mindfulness and they're using their teammates they're using their ability to communicate with the others that are around them to kind of build themselves up and stay focused on 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 the task at hand and if they can stay focused on the task at hand that's protective for their mental health definitely yeah those are great points um yeah I mean, I, I kind of have to echo what Tori's saying. It is a, a multifactorial thing. I mean, it, there's so many different layers to it. And uh, th- so there's no way you can answer this question from a singular perspective. It's just, it's just many different things, many different ways that one's mental health can be affected by something like this. It's coming at, it comes at us from so many different angles. I mean, we talk about financial stress, of the folks that are unemployed or underemployed, or worried about, you know, if they're going to be employed. Um, you, you have the social isolation is huge. I, mean, I, I don't think that can really be understated. And you, you know, I've even seen more recently 
that I think just so much time has passed and people are just starting to almost like naturally, organically, I mean, summertime, forget that we're in the midst of a pandemic. So a lot of people I know personally are doing more social activities, you know, doing more stuff generally with other people uh, than they were doing a couple of months ago. It's almost like this fatigue that's happening, uh, I noticed. And I would say that really the, the biggest thing, maybe more so than anything else, that stands out for me in terms of the impact on mental health. Because when I think about mental health and, and, and a mental health issue or illness, I think about an insidious process. You know, I think about uh, a very slow forming kind of thing that in many ways um, you sort of don't even necessarily see coming. And what I worry about with this pandemic is it's this uncertainty and this chronic uncertainty that we're in the midst of now where there's just, you know, hope is something that I think is a really big and important emotional experience to have in order to get through any kind of medical crisis, but especially a mental health crisis. And I think hope is something that will often be kind of eroded in circumstances in which there's just this, again, chronic uncertainty where you know, t as time goes on and there's just no end in sight, no clear light at the end of the tunnel, you know, it, it is hard to know how the anxiety is going to grow and where, where, where things go from there uh, until we have some sort of solution. I think that that uncertainty is, is like the seed of a lot of different mental health challenges. Through uncertainty can pop up anxiety, depression. Um, and so many different things. So I'm glad you touched on that. And then don't, let's not forget sleep. A lot of these guys are staying in hotels and different resorts. Um, maybe their sleep's not is is more so affected now. And, and poor sleep also is a seed for a lot of different mental health concerns. Um, although they don't have to travel as much if they're in, they're in a bubble, which which helps with those cross country flights. Yeah, I mean, you know, fear. We talk about fear a lot as it relates to anxiety. Um, but then, you know, fear is something that just more pervasively, you know, it, it, it can, it's sort of a source for, for trauma and, and depression and all kinds of things when it becomes latent and, and chronic. And, and I, I think fear is something we can't really take off of the table because, um, you know, we're, we're still seeing people die. Um, and if we're not dying ourselves or sick ourselves, we potentially are spreading it to other people. And, um, you know, I, I think that all the political forces and, and the social injustices that seem to be brewing peripherally around all of this that's happening with the pandemic, um, it's just it's a lot of fear. You know, people are afraid and um, sadly we don't really have leadership and institutions in place that are able to manage and, and sort of um, you know, I think provide comfort for that fear. And what I'm really concerned about um, kind of bigger picture is how as a society, even more broadly beyond sports, we are able to overcome that, you know, that experience of fear. Um, because fear is, is, a, is, an, is, a, is a feeling, an emotion mm. that can lead to a lot of bad things. Yeah, I would, I, we could do a whole podcast on fear because I think ultimately 
people use fear as a tactic to have you join their side. Um, we see that a lot in politics. That's pretty much like fear mongering is, is horrible right now. And, and I, I just want to say that, that, yeah, we have to, we have to talk about that in another episode. One more thing I wanted to talk, touch on before I think we sign off on this one is I think all the, the major organizations have done a great job to provide a platform for these individuals to have the right to protest or have the right not to protest to express themselves in that way before the games uh, with the kneeling, you don't have to kneel. And it's, it's a judgment free zone for individuals that want to protest who, 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 who don't want to protest or want to protest in their own way. So I think all these organizations have done a good job allowing that uh, judgment free zone for in order for people to, to protest. Absolutely. Yeah. Keep on marching. And Keep just, on marching, fellas. You have the and ladies. You have the right to kneel, and you have the right not to kneel, and just express yourself, articulate the reasons why you're doing what you're doing, and I'm not going to have an issue with it. Not at all. I mean, we're all we're all in the same we're in the same fight. We're fighting the same fight, and everyone you know has kind of a different position, a different perspective, you know, a different place upon which they stand. But I feel we're we're all in the same movement, you know. Um, and, um, you know, I, I love seeing how all the coaches are, you know, have those, um, those badges they wear, those pins that says, uh, coaches for racial justice. I think stuff like that, it, it, it's very inspiring. Unity. That's right. Uh, we need to, we need to get rid of the fear mongering and we all just need to come together and realize yeah, yeah. we all just want to be happy and healthy. We're all on one team. We're all on one team. Charles Barkley said something interesting, which I love what Charles Barkley said, um, just in regards to what Tori said. The national anthem means different things to different people. Um, I'm glad that these guys are all unified, but if people don't kneel, they're not a bad person. I want to make that perfectly clear. And then he added that no one should be vilified for standing or kneeling during the national anthem. And I, I really like what he said. No. It's not a day or night issue. There's, there's nuance to it. And we got to be able to live in the gray. We're all on the same team. I think we end it right there. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed episode 47. Welcome back, sports, and welcome back, NBA. There definitely will be a part two. Absolutely. And as always, let's end the stigma. And continue Continue the the conversation. conversation.